the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Jesus does not poor baby this guy. Jesus Jesus doesn't say, oh man, that must be really frustrating. It must be really frustrating for you to not have somebody here to help you. It must be really hard for you to see people that are faster than you getting in the water before you. I totally understand how you feel. Look what he says here. Jesus completely ignores the guy's excuses and tells the guy... He tells the guy, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus wants to deal with the root of your problems, not the symptoms. You're probably really good at coming up with excuses for your shortcomings. Instead of acknowledging that you're weak and in desperate need of help, you waste the precious energy you have on blaming others. As Pastor Dan examines the account of Jesus' healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, he points out Jesus' response to this man's excuses. In his compassion, he doesn't coddle him. He gets right to fixing his problem. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 5, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. The God who created them is walking with them, and and they're looking at the water, watching for a bubble to come up. And Jesus walks up to this guy, one guy who's, who's lying on the ground. He's lame. He's disabled. This guy doesn't know who Jesus is. He's never heard of Jesus. He's never seen Jesus before. And Jesus doesn't introduce himself to the guy. Jesus doesn't, you know, lean over and say, hey, I'm Jesus. I can really help you out. I can heal you. Jesus instead walks up to the guy and says, you want to be made well? It's kind of a strange question to ask somebody, isn't it? Do you want to be made well? The answer seems obvious, right? Uh, the, the, question, the question maybe even seems to us, um, you know, just lacking compassion, you know, for the guy. To ask him, you know, do you want to be made well? A guy who's Lame, paralyzed, laying on the ground. It seems a little insensitive to ask a guy like that in that condition, do you want to be made well? The answer seems obviously, of course, he must want to be made well. Well, maybe not, though. You know, not everybody who's lame wants to be made well. Not everybody does. Some people like their condition that they're in. Some people have grown comfortable in the condition that they're in, and they don't really want to be made well. They don't really want to change. They don't really want to get better. They may say they do. They may say, I'm tired of being like this. I want to be different. I want things to change. I want things to improve. I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. I've already had so much of my life living like this, and I don't want to do it anymore. I want to to be better. 
And for some people, not all people, but for some people, it's just words. It's not really the desire of their heart. They don't really desire to change. Uh, They really just want to stay in the condition that they're in. They just want to kind of stay in their lameness. And so this question that Jesus asks, it's really an important question. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to change? Now, you you have to want to change. There has to be a desire there to want to change. Now, watch how this man answers this question here. Verse 7. Jesus says, you want to be made well? Again, picture the scene in your mind. And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water stirred. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. What does this guy do? He tells Jesus all the reasons why he can't be made well. He asks him, do you want to be made well? Yes or no? And he starts to rattle off why he can't be made well. Why it's impossible for him. He makes, he makes excuses. And, and not only does he make excuses, he blames others. It's not his fault. It's because there's no one to help him into the water. And it's because other people are faster than him. So it's, it's the person who doesn't exist that's not helping him. And it's the person who's faster than him that gets in the water before him. It's, it's their fault that he is the way that he is. It's their fault that he can't change. It's their fault that he can't get better. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? That's a, that's a yes, I do want to be made well, or no, I'm not interested. I want to stay lame. But what this guy does is he just makes excuses for his condition. And he tells Jesus why he, he can't be made well, why it's impossible, why he can't change. You know, it, it, he's been this way for 38 years. And we do that sometimes, don't we? I know I do. Make excuses why, why we can't change. Or we blame other people for how we are. Well, it, you know, it's my wife's fault. If she wasn't so, it was my husband's fault. If he didn't, well, it's my boss's fault. He doesn't understand. In fact, my last seven bosses haven't understood, you know, and that's why I've gone through seven jobs. None of them, it's all their fault. I mean, we're good at blaming other people for who we are and what we're doing and how we are. It's their fault, it's his fault, it's her fault. Now look at Jesus' response here. Jesus does not poor baby this guy. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, oh, man, that must be really frustrating. It must be really frustrating for you to not have somebody here to help you. It must be really hard for you to see people that are faster than you getting in the water before you. I totally understand how you feel. Look what he says here. Jesus completely ignores the guy's excuses and tells the guy, he tells the guy, rise, take up your bed and walk. This guy says, listen, listen, this guy says, I don't have anybody to help me. And other people are faster than me. That's why I can't get better. That's why I can't change. And listen, what the guy says is true. He doesn't have someone to help him. Other people are getting in the water faster. What he's saying is true. And your excuses might be true. My excuses might be true. The things I say, the reasons I give for why I am the way that I am, they might be totally true. But Jesus just ignores the excuses and Jesus says to the guy, and I'll put it in today's terms, get up. I love this passage. I need to hear this passage. Jesus just says to the guy, get up. He just ignores his excuses and says, get up. And sometimes we need the Lord to say that to us. To just say to us, you know, like, yeah, you've got your excuses, but we're not going there. You need to just get up. You need to quit feeling sorry for yourself. You need to quit making excuses for yourself. And you need to just get up and you need to take up your bed and you need to start walking. 
Now, Jesus, let me just say, Jesus will never uh, command us to do something that he doesn't also enable us to do something, to do that thing. So with, with this command to rise, take up your bed and walk, he's also has enabled the man and given the man the ability to rise, take up his bed and, and start walking. Now, when it says bed here, when he says take up your bed, uh, don't, don't think of like a memory foam, sort of sleeper kind of thing. No, they had like a little woven rug. That was his bed. So he's, he's got this bed there, and Jesus says to him, rise up, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now, why does Jesus tell him to take his bed with him? Why does he just say, get up and walk? He tells him to take his bed with him because the guy's not coming back to that pool. Take your stuff with you. You're not coming back here. You're, you know, you're done with this life, and we're leaving this life behind. So take everything with you and go because you're not coming back. Don't leave your bed here to save, the, save your spot next to this pool. Because you're not coming back to being lame anymore. Take it with you when you go. Don't hold your spot. And so this guy, when Jesus says this to him, this guy, he has a choice to make. He could continue to make excuses as to why he can't get up. He could, he could uh, not even try to get up. He could say, hey, I, I can't get up. It's impossible. You don't understand. I've been like this for 38 years. I can't just get up now. I can't change. He could make an excuse. He could not try. He could stay lame. Or he can trust the words of Jesus. Just like us. Just like us. We've got choices. And, and I, I can choose to stay in my lameness and not even try what God's telling me to do. Or I can just trust his word that, that he knows best. And I'm just going to believe his word and I'm going to go in faith trusting him to do what he's asking me to do. So that, that's that we face that choice all the time. I'm just going to I'm going to stay in my lameness. Or I'm just going to believe God and I'm going to go forward and get up and start walking, trusting God's word. Verse nine, immediately the man was made well instantly and he took up his bed and he walked and the day was the Sabbath day. Now, this, this is going to be the big point of contention between Jesus and the religious leaders. This is where it starts to unravel now. The Sabbath day, uh, for those of you that don't know, it was simply intended to be a day of rest for man. But the Jews, what they did is they created a whole set of laws and rules and regulations for the Sabbath day. You're supposed to rest from work on the Sabbath day. And so what they did is they, they started defining what's work, what constitutes work, what activities are allowed on the Sabbath day, what activities should be forbidden on the Sabbath day. In fact, they created 39 categories or classifications of work. They have volumes written on work. What is work? What is allowed? What is considered work on the Sabbath? They had all of these minute, detailed rules about the Sabbath day and keeping the Sabbath. And they're all man-made rules. They're not the scripture. They're all just man-made regulations. It's not the word of God. So this guy takes up his bed, and he's carrying his bed, which, which according to their rules, their man-made rules, that would be work. And it's the Sabbath day. So verse 10 
the Jews, and here the Jews, it's referring to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, uh, the, the uh, elders, the priests of Israel. The Jews, therefore, said to him who was cured, it's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> this guy was just healed after 38 years of being lame. Hey, it's the Sabbath. Not allowed to carry your bed. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. He answered them. Now look at his answer. He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. He who healed me told me to carry my bed, take up my bed and walk. Now look in verse 12. Then they, the religious leaders, asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? See, the the guy who was healed is focused on the miracle that he was healed. These religious leaders, they're focused on the breaking of the rule. Right. The guy who healed me told me to take up my bed. Who told you to take up your bed? They missed the whole the guy who healed me part. Right. There's no you know, there's they're not interested in celebrating the miracle. They're, They're just interested in enforcing their rules and enforcing their laws. So he goes on here in verse 13. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. He didn't know it was Jesus. He didn't even know Jesus's name. Some guy came up to me, told me, do I want to be made well? Then he told me to take up my bed and walk. And I was healed. And I took up my bed and I started walking. I never bothered to ask him his name. This guy doesn't even know Jesus's name. (laughs) Now, I'm sure the religious leaders had a pretty good idea that it was Jesus because there's nobody else at this point healing people, just Jesus. So they know they know who it is. This guy doesn't know. He doesn't know it's Jesus. He doesn't know his name. Now, that shows us and it tells us uh, that Jesus didn't heal this man because of his great faith. Jesus didn't heal this man because he was such a devout follower of Jesus. He doesn't even know Jesus's name. He was he was over at this pool, you know, hoping that he would be healed by the waters. He wasn't looking to God to heal him. It's just a picture of the grace of God here. It's just the grace of God. You know, the, the grace means undeserved favor, undeserved kindness from God. This guy did nothing to deserve this healing. But God healed him because God loves him and God's gracious and merciful. Verse 14 says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. So this guy, after he's healed, he immediately went to the temple. He goes to the temple to worship. God for healing him. And he said to him, see, you have been made well. 
sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Uh, You know, Jesus says to him, you've been made well, sin no more. He, He doesn't say to him, don't start sinning. He says, sin no more. He says to him, stop sinning. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, don't start sinning. He says, stop sinning. Abandon your sin. Now now that you have new life in Jesus Christ, abandon the sin in your life. He says, look what he says. Jesus warns this man, lest a worse thing comes upon you. And I, I believe Jesus is speaking of eternal judgment here. You know, he's telling him that the consequences of not abandoning your sin are eternal. So then the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I love verse 15. You know, verse 15, they, you know, they asked him, who was it that told you to take up your bed and walk? He's like, I, I don't know. I never asked his name. He never told me his name. I don't know what his name was. He had a, he had a beard, <laughs> you know, maybe described him. And they, but they knew who he was talking about. He goes to the temple. He learns that it was Jesus. And he kind of innocently goes back to the religious leaders and says, hey, the guy's name was Jesus. And I'm sure they were happy to hear that, right? Oh, right. Great. Jesus. That's what we thought you would say. His name is Jesus. Oh, so you know him. You're familiar with him. Yeah, we know who he is. Now, turn with me back to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. Look at verse 4. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, look, your God will come. Who will come? Say it louder. Your God, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then when God comes, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then, when God comes, the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Your God will come. And when he comes, you'll know that he's come because the eyes of the blind shall be open. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped and the lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongues of the mute will sing. That's when God comes. That's what's happening in Israel. When Jesus is there. Remember John the Baptist after he's arrested and he's in prison. He sends some of his disciples to ask Jesus. Are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? John's thinking I I didn't think I'd end up in prison when the Messiah comes. Uh, But here I am in prison. So now I'm wondering are you the Messiah? Or should I be looking for someone else? Remember what Jesus told John's disciples? Go back and tell John, Isaiah 35. Go back and tell John, hey, the eyes of the blind are being opened. The deaf are hearing. The lame are walking. The mute are speaking. God has come. God has come. Jesus is healing people. He's healing people. And the religious leaders, the teachers, they know Isaiah 35 And all of these signs are happening. We have this one recorded here in John chapter 5 for us. Look at verse 16 now. Go back to John chapter 5 verse 16. It says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus 
and sought to kill him. Notice what it says, because he had done these things, not this thing, but these things on the Sabbath day. So Jesus did many other things, many other miracles and signs on the Sabbath day that are not recorded for us in John's gospel. Remember, John's writing for a specific purpose. So he just highlights this one miracle that takes place on the Sabbath day and healing this lame man at the pool of Bethesda. But this one miracle is representative of many other miracles that Jesus was doing. Many other healings that Jesus was doing. He was doing many things on the Sabbath day. And for this reason, the Jews now decided to try to kill him. They started seeking a way to kill him. If you look down in verse 18, which we'll talk about more next week, but I just want to point it out. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath. And you can just stop right there because he broke the Sabbath. That word broke there in verse 18. It doesn't mean that he broke like one of their Sabbath laws by telling this guy to carry his bed. The word that's used there for broke to say that he broke the Sabbath. It means to do away with or to destroy or to overthrow. When it says he broke the Sabbath in verse 18, it's saying he he's doing away with their Sabbath rules. He's doing away with their whole system they've created. He's doing away with their whole institution that they've created. And so that's why they sought to kill him. And this now becomes the turning point uh, when the religious leaders began to plot how they might kill Jesus Christ. And the rest of the Gospel of John is going to move that direction now and move towards the death of Christ until we get to the cross where Christ is crucified. And you might think, wait a minute, we're only in chapter five. Aren't there like 21 chapters in John? They're already talking. Hasn't only been one Passover? And they're already talking about killing him? Yes. Yes. You know, the decision to kill Jesus by the religious leaders, it wasn't some kind of last minute decision they came up with. They were working on this for a couple years, trying to figure out how they could kill him, how they could put him to death. It starts way back here in chapter 5. We've still got 17 chapters to go with this. Two and a half years of ministry left. We've only made it through one Passover. He's in the first year of his ministry. And they're already looking for a way to kill him. And it's all going to end on the cross. He asked me how I know and I say brings true That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. 
Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth. Good night.